stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Welcome back. Rob Breckenridge with you here on the Chorus Radio Network. More time for your calls coming up in this hour. A few other stories we'll get to as well. But we've been talking today about uh, Alberta's uh, latest budget, uh, which, uh, yes, I mean, look, it's it's uh, not a lot different than what we saw with the updated budget uh, in November. And we are facing uh, another large deficit. Uh, but the Alberta government maintains that this is about protecting lives and livelihoods and trying to position the province for some economic recovery. So joining us to talk about the choices, the priorities, the direction. Very pleased to welcome to the program here this morning, Finance Minister Travis Taves. Minister, appreciate making some time for us here. Welcome to the program. Yeah, my pleasure, Rob. Okay, so uh, in, in terms of what, what has changed from, from last year and the, that updated uh, budget in November, I, I see a lot of similarities here, and, and maybe that means that, that a lot of important decisions have been postponed yet again, but, but talk a bit about what's changed since then and, and whether your priorities have changed since then. Well, our priorities right now um, are, are threefold. Number one, we need to ensure that we, we adequately resource health to deal with the pandemic. And number two, we need to position this province for economic recovery. That's critical uh, for job creation to ensure Albertans have opportunities, but also critical for the long-term fiscal health of the province as economic recovery results in increased fiscal capacity. And and the third priority is is that we will be continuing to uh, work to deliver government services most efficiently. That's a a priority that we we identified in Budget 2019, uh, putting on the, putting this province on a path to bring our cost of delivering government services in line with other provinces on a per capita basis, that continues to be a priority. And look, I think people understand that the pandemic has kind of wreaked havoc with, with the budget, wreaked havoc with your, your government's plans for getting back to a balanced budget. So that seems much, much further down the road now. And, and even once we get to a balanced budget, there's still the question of addressing all of this debt that's been accumulated along the way. Do, do we need more urgency in, in addressing all of this? Or, or how are you approaching these questions? Well, again, right now we're dealing uh, with the priorities um, that really are right in front of us. And they're the priorities that I laid out. Uh, Right now, uh, we need to continue to ensure that we're delivering government services efficiently. We need to ensure that we're resourcing healthcare adequately. As you've noticed, I'm sure we included, in fact, increased um, health budget by $900 million. That will be um, actually an increase that will be reflected in every year of the fiscal plan. It will be an increase to their base budget. The reason for that is COVID has created uh, a further backlog in surgeries and other procedures, and we just really need to get those caught up. Uh, COVID has also uh, delayed the implementation of a number of uh, significant recommendations brought forward by the Ernst & Young AHS report. So uh, we are increasing healthcare's budget. Otherwise, we're keeping uh, our expenditures cost flat and uh, and looking to grow the economy and uh, and that's our plan we believe those are the key priorities what is the target date uh, for for a balanced budget at this point well Rob we don't have a target date I wish I did to provide one I believe would be disingenuous at this point given given the lack of economic clarity uh, that's out there but uh, we've identified three fiscal anchors uh, that will really guide and inform our decisions uh, during this time um, when we don't have a definitive path to balance. Uh, 
And those fiscal anchors are, are number one, we're going to keep our net debt to GDP ratio below 30%. That will ensure that we maintain a reasonably strong balance sheet, which is critical for fiscal recovery. Number two, we will bring our costs of delivering government services in line on a per capita basis with those of other provinces. Uh, critically important to put this province on a sustainable fiscal trajectory. And the third fiscal anchor is that when we uh, are past the pandemic and have economic clarity, we will lay out a path and timeline to balance. In terms of the, the economic recovery then, um, and, and look, I, I suspect, you know, getting past the pandemic in and of itself is going to be, you know, a big uh, economic engine. And, and there are certainly some optimistic forecasts out there when it comes to, to Canada, the U.S., uh, even Alberta, the world, etc. What, what in this budget, though, is, is aimed at accelerating economic growth and recovery here? Well, there, there is uh, a number of things in this budget around economic recovery. Firstly, uh, Rob, I, I think the most important thing, fundamental thing that we can do as a government, and that is broadly ensure, ensuring that we have the most competitive business environment possible. And so uh, we've been working at that since day one. Uh, we accelerated our reduction in business taxes, our job creation tax cut effective July 1st of last year. We wanted to send the message to uh, the investment community that that we were not going to be raising taxes. In fact, we would be following through on our commitment to creating uh, a very, very competitive tax jurisdiction. Uh, Secondly, we've been focusing on red tape reduction, regulatory modernization, which is critical for investment attraction. Uh, The Canadian Federation of Independent Business gave us an A grade uh, this last year. There's more work to do, but we've been making good progress. Of course, we inherited an F from the previous government in terms of red tape, so we've made great progress there. On top of that, we are going to be investing an additional $3.1 billion to position the province for economic recovery. Uh, that includes uh, funding various sector strategies. Some of these uh, uh, have been rolled out in terms of some of the details, but there, there will be uh, many details yet to come over the coming weeks and, and even months around our sector strategies. What we're doing is identifying every sector where we believe Alberta has a competitive advantage and looking to position that sector to be most competitive. That includes our traditional sectors, such as energy, agriculture, and forestry, but it also includes the tech sector, which um, is really showing signs of of growth. Uh, It includes uh, health sciences and pharmaceuticals, aerospace and aviation. It includes uh, financial services and fintech. Let me ask you, and you mentioned the tech sector and, and you know, the, the knowledge economy. And I think there's a concern that's been expressed that, you know, if, if we're going to, to cut back on money being spent on, on universities and colleges and advanced education, that that could inhibit Alberta being a leader in, in this area. So how do you reconcile the desire to, to grow in this, this realm with some of the decisions with regard to, to advanced education funding? Rob, we have world-class post-secondary institutions in this province, and uh, there's something to be proud of. They will be a key part of our economic recovery as as we uh, ensure that future generations of Albertans have the right skills for the digital economy. Uh, they will be important to ensure that, um, you know, Albertans right now who are perhaps transitioning from one sector to another are, are reskilled. The McKinnon panel, though, pointed out um, a, a really... Uh, identified a a bit of an alarming conclusion, and that is that uh, in terms of costs per full-time learning equivalent, in Alberta, it costs $36,500 on average uh, per student per year. 
And in BC, that was 31,000. Quebec was 25, and Ontario was 21. And so, and on top of that, our, the provincial portion of funding uh, per uh, full-time learning equivalent was considerably higher on a percentage basis than other jurisdictions. And we can no longer afford to be an outlier. So uh, our Minister of Advanced Education, Minister Nicolaitis, has been working with post-secondary institutions, and they've been, you know, I, I think, working very constructively to ensure that we can maintain world-class education and, in fact, even improve uh, labour market outcomes relative to the programs that are offered. In other words, ensuring that institutions are offering the programs uh, that will um, ensure that uh, future students uh, graduate uh, with great uh, career options, labour market outcome options, but to do that in a more cost-effective way. So uh, th- that's what our uh, fiscal plan that we laid out in bid- Budget 2019 uh, was set to accomplish. We're continuing with that plan, and we're confident that, uh, that we will maintain world-class institutions, that they will play a very important role in our recovery, and that we'll be able to work to do it uh, and in a more cost-effective way. Well, and you mentioned the Blue Ribbon Panel, and, and there's certainly a, a roadmap that was laid out there in terms of, of how Alberta's spending can be overhauled, areas that, that Alberta could could spend a lot less. And and I think maybe there's a, a sense out there that you know, as we face you know these years of, of big deficits and continuing to add to that debt, that why isn't the Alberta government moving on those recommendations? What, what do you say to that? Well, we are. We are moving on those recommendations. Our, the biggest hit uh, to our fiscal plans has been to our revenues. We have, um, you know, we have necessarily increased spending to deal with, uh, to ensure health is resourced for the pandemic, to ensure that we've had uh, some recovery programs for businesses and individuals in this province who've been hit hard. We have um, put forward um, a a number of uh, initiatives relative to economic recovery. The vast, vast majority of these are not permanently built into our budget. And so uh, we are uh, acting on the McKinnon panel recommendations, and, and that is really informing our key fiscal anchor of bringing our cost of li- delivering government services in line with other jurisdictions on a per capita basis by the end of our term. And Budget 2021 delivers on that commitment. We're also still heavily reliant on resource revenues, and, and those numbers are, are down, which I think speaks to, to why the deficit is as big as it is. I mean, that, that's going to bounce back at some point, but it also raises the question of the revenue side. Are we going to continue to rely on, on royalty revenue in the way that we do? Is there some conversation to be had down the road about our, our revenue situation, our revenue mix, that reliance, uh, et cetera? Uh, Rob, there will be an important conversation down the road uh, around the efficiency and appropriateness of our revenue structure here in Alberta. But right now, uh, right now, we need to focus, um, again, resourcing health for the pandemic, economic recovery, and efficient uh, delivery of government services. I, right now is not the time, I think, to be uh, revamping our revenue structure uh, materially. Uh, in terms of the the forecasts uh, in this budget on on oil prices, on economic growth, and and you know I'll certainly concede that it's it can be a real challenge uh, in in the best of times. You know we, we are seeing um, a lot of different forecasts, shall we say, with regard to oil prices, and and some of those forecasts are, are rather bullish. That obviously speaks to to economic growth. So, how, how did you come up with the numbers that you did, and, and what is the government anticipating uh, on on those two fronts? Well, we, we've taken uh, a very conservative, I, I think, prudent, responsible approach in, in the economic assumptions 
that we've used to inform our revenue projections. And I think it's the right approach at this point, given, you know, the fact that we still see a lot of uncertainty and, and volatility in, in commodity prices. Look, I, I'm really pleased to see energy prices moving up, I think, much quicker, certainly, than I would have anticipated and, and many would have anticipated. Uh, the the uh, uh, economic assumptions that we've used with energy pricing, uh, we tested those um, a number of weeks ago, and, and while we were you know, a, a little below the private sector uh, forecast at the time. Uh, we, we were th- within the range of, of reasonable and credible. And, and you know, we've seen um, energy prices move up very, very significantly in the last week or two, and that's great. But uh, I, I'm going to be happy to be surprised on the upside. But what I don't want to do is come in with an overly optimistic forecast and overpromise and underdeliver. Yeah. By the way, I just wanted to get you to clarify regarding the the Keystone XL deal, and you know, obviously, you know, it it doesn't look good at the moment in the U.S. for the the future of that project, and and maybe there's still an opportunity for some kind of recourse here. But does does this deficit figure reflect the, the government's investment in that project, or could you clarify that for us? Uh, this our projection, and so that would be a a Q3 projection for the, the current fiscal year does not include a, any kind of a par- impairment charge or write down of that as- asset. Uh, we really felt it was premature. Uh, we're, right now we're working with TC Energy to uh, understand every option available to us. If, uh, you know, if, if it turns out there, there is no opportunity to uh, advance the construction of this pipeline in any way, shape or form, then we will be looking to recover our investment uh, through every means available. Uh, our year end, our fiscal year end is coming up in, in just over four weeks, March 31st, 2021. And we will obviously um, be evaluating our treatment of, of that investment for year end purposes. And, and Albertans can, um, you know, they can be assured that we will, um, we will reflect appropriate uh, reporting treatment of Keystone XL uh, at year end. What we've done in the in the interim, Rob, is important. We've been very transparent with Albertans in terms of what our exposure is. Our exposure is just under $1.3 billion. We've laid that out in the fiscal plan. We think it's important that Albertans understand that, and uh, and we will be um, you know working on on further treatment at your end. Minister, we'll leave it there. Appreciate you making some time for us here today. Of course, Rob. All the best. Uh, Travis Taves is Alberta's Minister of Finance. So there you go. Some some explanation from the minister in terms of the choices they made here, the priorities uh, that, that uh, underscore the choices in this budget, and where we go from here. And look, you heard him concede the point that we don't have a firm date for returning to ballots, let alone starting to tackle that debt. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.